When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 148, The Best Way to Learn How to Code with Addison Oliveira. Hopefully I said that right. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we sat down with Addison to discuss his career in teaching and coding, bouncing between Udemy, YouTube, podcasting, and being a professor at Centennial College here Holy, in Toronto. Holy, that's a lot of stuff. I know, I just said, like, <laughs> uh, the rule of threes didn't didn't kick in there because it was just a lot. I couldn't cut it down. So, if you want to uh, support the show because that sounds interesting, because it should, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And now just a bit of an introduction on Addison. Addison started teaching as an adjunct professor, hopefully I said that correctly, at Centennial College in 2018. Not long after that, he started his own podcast, Solo Coder, in 2019. That was the one that Mike and I had the honor of being on. And if that wasn't enough, he started Bridge. That's Bridge with two R's in 2020 where he and his team help people make their first real coding projects come to life to give them the confidence to get a job in the industry. And, once again, and the list keeps going on here, this isn't even mentioning his YouTube channel, his Udemy courses, and more. There's an and more here, Mike. It's not like that was it. It's an and more here. So he's a busy guy. So we already had the call with Addison. Let's cut to that right now, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, we have Anderson on the line here. Now, we have a loaded conversation ready for you here as well. But Anderson, before we get, before we jump into the more technical, the more coding, the more everything, really, we're going to be covering a lot today, education, all a bunch of stuff. How's it going? What's up? And, you know, how's your day been going? How's your week been going? And how's your COVID life is now the question that I ask everyone pretty much. All good, all good, Matt. It's heating up. The weekend was so hot. I was in the barbecue and the heat of the weather, the heat of the barbecue, I was cooking over the weekend. Oh, that's good. Okay. All right. All right. That's pretty good. Uh, that's one thing I can't do is uh, cannot cook to save my life. I can warm up a pizza pocket. Maybe you could do that on a barbecue, but um, yeah. <laughs> I can I can only throw meats at the barbecue, but again, if you call that cooking, that's fine. Hey, I mean that's good. I mean Mike Mike's a bit of a cook in his own right, um, and like he's cooked me tons of dinners and stuff like that. And I couldn't do I couldn't do any of that stuff. I couldn't even throw meat at it, as like you said. So uh, I mean, props to both of you for learning that life skill, which I probably should. <laughs> but uh, Matt's we have cooking a- tips. Matt's cooking tips coming up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please warm up your pizza pocket. All right, next topic here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a loaded episode, like I've already said, uh, for you here today, and a bunch of different questions, a bunch of different stuff that we're going to cover. And we might as well just jump right into the first one here, which is, if someone were to come to you at random, and they say that they wanted to get into coding, which field would you recommend? So things like 
to maybe coding mobile apps, desktop apps, web development, or just something else. What do you think about that, Addison? Matt, I would go with the low-hanging fruits. The low-hanging fruits that I would call is the web development. And by web development, I'm talking about maybe a full-stack developer, maybe a back-end developer, maybe a front-end developer. But web development, I think, I feel, would give you a good foundation for in the future, maybe you migrate to other to other areas. However, I also mentioned a caveat here. If you are good at math, and if you are willing to dedicate more time to coding, a field that is not brand new, but it's becoming hotter and hotter and hotter right now is machine learning, AI. And I did some stuff around that. So again, very, very good fields to get yourself into. And if you, again, I will go here for the extra step. You may also look into blockchain. Now, I'm not saying that those things are easy. So again, going back to uh, your original point there, low-hanging fruit, I think, web development, think of uh, React, think of Node.js. And for beginners to get themselves into coding, I would highly recommend Python. So I went all over the place here. Please conduct me back to some <laughs> rationale. Well, the one thing I was going to ask you when you said low-hanging fruit, so I've heard this actually just sort of randomly in forums, in Reddit posts and stuff like this from other people, and what they're referring to, and maybe it's the same and you can kind of compare and contrast there, is what they're normally referring to is the fact that with a with something like um, a mobile app, or you have to have an emulator set up, or you have to have a phone ready there, and you have to like get the connection ready, and you have to have Android Studio, or use the Mac on the Mac side of things, or the uh, iOS side of things. And with desktop apps, it's like you have to, you know, have the the compiler ready, this and that. And I realize that there are compilers and stuff ready for web development, but with web development, everyone has a browser, and everyone can start with your HTML, CSS, JS, and so you can immediately see exactly what you're doing. You can write out, you know, a hello world with like just the header tags in HTML, and then you can just run that in the browser and it immediately runs. Is that sort of what you mean by low-hanging fruit? Or do you mean it's just easier to get into? Like, what do you mean there? I, I think that it's a combination really, because as you said, with web development, React, Node.js, you can easily get an online editor to get yourself coding already without even installing any tool yet in your mm -hmm. environment and and so so again i wouldn't say that it's easier easier from a coding standpoint i think that to be quite honest to be fair i think that react node.js i find them a little bit intimidating at times but you know what is really really i think at this point in time which i became a big fan of low-hanging fruits not only from an editing standpoint because you don't have to have tools installed you can have this online but also from the how friendly the coding aspect of things are is Python. Python, let me tell you, I was always intimidated with Python. And about a, uh, two years ago, I decided to have a taste on Python. And I love the, 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 the tooling, the fact that I could go to, there's a, a Google Cloud thing that you can quickly be coding on Python directly with your browser, seeing things running right there and then without having to install anything locally. I love Python as well. So, so again, a combination of, of being easy to get yourself into, but also the tooling is simple to get you started. Again, React, Node.js, um, I, I have my, my points about you know, being a little, 
not complicated, but maybe complicated from my from my standpoint, no, from my background. But Python, Python, it was just a great language to to get myself into. Again, easy language to get yourself not only from a coding standpoint, but from a tooling standpoint as well. And so you kind of mentioned a couple of different tools there, and like Python and stuff like that. And I guess my next kind of question, just kind of to build off of this, would be: so, do you think that so there's always this like push and pull? So in web development specifically, since we're talking about that, there's always this, you know, uh, sort of path that you have to choose. It's kind of like a fork in the road where do I become a freelancer and just start like working for people or do I, you know, do a project for myself or do I, uh, you know, just work in an agency? And so my question kind of comes from that. So it would be when a person, you know, starts something in web development, one of one or more of those paths kind of require some business skill as well. And so there's this push and pull at a higher level than that fork in the road, like I said, which is, you know, do you go more businessy where you just learn the basics and learn what you got to do and then you just learn how to make money online? Or do you pull the other way and you just pull yourself toward learning more coding, you know, learning because you said you, you know, you dove into Python. Like, do you think that people should go one way or the other? Is it a contextual thing? You know, money, or more coding, what do you think? Um, it's a good point. And I think it goes very, I think it's very, very personal, you know, that kind of decision. Uh, because, because here's the thing, if you are just getting started, if you are starting to code, and not only you have to focus on your technical coding skills, but you also want or have to focus on on acquiring clients on stressing out because you need to pay the bills. Uh, and I'm talking, I'm comparing that in terms of, oh, I'm going to work for somebody else. So I really find it hard to manage both of those challenges at the same time, learning how to code and building a business, whether it's a freelancing business, whether it's a, it's an agency, it doesn't matter. But building a business, you have to develop so many skills. And if you add on top of that, that you just got started coding, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's a bit too much. I'm not saying it cannot be done. Actually, mm -hmm. I, had, I had plenty of guests that have done this kind of thing. But I think that when you put on top of each other, coding and building a business at the same time, I don't know. I think it's a challenge because what I see out there quite a lot is, okay, I built up my coding skills. I had my a few months or maybe a few years within an agency, within a maybe a big organization, maybe a bank, maybe whatever it is. But you developed your coding skills. Now you may feel okay. So now I I'm, I'm comfortable with coding. So maybe I want to experiment with my own running my own show. Maybe and then again you you have you now that you have you are okay with coding, you have the time or the energy or the mental space, I would call it the mental space, to be able to see, okay, what do I need to do to push forward my own, my own thing, whether it's a freelancing, whether it's something else. But again, I don't know if it helps, but or if it confuses more than help. No, definitely. It makes a lot of sense because, and like, and I've mentioned this a, a ton of time, just to sort of relate that to us is, you know, I, I, uh, Mike and I have learned how to, you know, code. We're mo mostly self-taught. Mike did go to school for uh, coding as well, but mostly web development, self-taught. And 
like it, it kind of went the same. Like it, Mike was mostly JavaScript. I was doing all the UI stuff, and then I was doing some JavaScript stuff, and he was doing more like a little bit more like a node and stuff like this. Like you started going a little bit more state of the art at the time. This was a few years ago. And then I kind of had to go more businessy where I was like hosting calls and doing the meetings and doing this. And I've said it a million times where like I've lost a lot of actually my coding skill to the point where like I can, you know, certainly wake it up. And like, you know, if I do a little bit of practice, I can figure it out again. But like I'm nowhere near as advanced as Mike. And that's that mental space, right? As I've I've run out, like I'm doing all these calls, I'm running around, I'm organizing people. I We had a government project like a year or two ago. And it was just sort of like it was a lot of uh, office politics, I guess you could say. And it just it just wore that down where I just wasn't I wasn't coding every day. And now that's gone. And I could see how somebody could fall like fall into that trap where they learn a bit of coding and maybe they're not quite established like I kind of was <laughs> like years ago. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have to run into a different role. They have to wear that other hat, small business. And then boom, you know, they lose all that coding skill or learn lose a fair bit of it. And imagine if you were doing that just by yourself, that you have to not only, you know, do the business side and do the coding side. Again, at least you, the two of you, you have, you can split those tasks. No, but again, if it's uh, a solo freelancer, can you imagine that? You know? Oh, it'd be, it, that would be uh, too stressful for me. That's for sure. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. I, th I think we had like a different uh, kind of situation as well, where we we had the luxury of being in our parents' pl place for a little while. I was going through school, so we we could open up the business safely and learn safely. Whereas if we were coming out of college and we needed to pay bills immediately, it would be a completely different conversation, right, Matt? Like we we would have probably went a more traditional route. So it's good to have like all the routes available to you. We were lucky like that, uh, but it's also important to kind of pay respect to the original and the the more tried and true route of like getting that job, getting the experience, just like Ederson was saying, uh, and going and then going out on your own from there, like after you have the experience or staying the traditional route as well, because obviously there's plenty of opportunities there. If I may just mention a little bit my my story that I think it goes very well as an example of, of that, of what I was recommending here. So without taking too much time, uh, I worked, I've been working in the business since 1996. So quite a lot of time. Uh, but then, so I had industry experience as an employee from, let's say, 96 until 2010. I'm not saying that you need to wait that long. I'm just saying that this was my case. So I I ran, you know, as an employee from, from 96 until 2010. 2010, I opened up my, my shop and it was a freelancing. Uh, it was a freelancing business and I did well. But at that point in time, I had my enough of my coding skills very sharp and I felt confident that I could make it on my own. So again, you don't have to wait you know, 14 years to do that, but I think that to have some, some industry experience, some coding experience working for a company that is covering your expenses, that is giving you a, you know, a nice, um, nice income as you learn the, the, the tricks of the trade and then eventually say, hey, you know what? Now it's, a, now it's time for me to give it a try. Again, each one of us will have it, uh, our own path. There's no single solution, single path. I'm just reporting what was my path. That's that, that's the cool thing with with tech and, and other fields too. I'm sure is that you know everyone has their own unique flavor, and you can kind of make your own formula of you know, hey, maybe I'll do 
seven years at an agency, you know, and I feel like I'm sharp enough and then I'll go and do my own freelancing thing. Or maybe there's a weird freelance opportunity three years in and you're like, I got to jump on this and then you jump on it. You know, there's a million and one ways and you can kind of use everyone's experience, like what we're talking about here, and then make your own formula up from the bits and pieces and the lessons you've learned. So that, that's that's one really cool thing about web development and freelancing, especially. And again, like I said, other industries, I'm sure as well. Um, that you can kind of just make everything's like your own flavor. You can kind of do what you want. Exactly. Again, not one one single formula, but a collection of experiences. And, and that's one of the reasons why I also have a podcast, which is to give people other people's versions of what a career can look like. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think we can move on to the uh, the next question, actually, because I know that we've talked about a lot of the uh, a lot of your projects. I, I introduced you earlier and it's like you have a lot of projects and obviously you've talked about you, you know, you have a, a unique path through web development as well. So obviously there's a lot on your plate. And with that, you know, how how do you stay motivated and engaged with all the different projects you're involved with? You know, what's your comments on work-life balance like do you have it because <laughs> that's always the concern of people right like oh I, I lost motivation or oh i got bored when i don't know no js got hard or you know i'm worried that i'm going to be coding all night and doing a day job during the day that may or may not be coding and i'm worried that i won't have any work-life balance like how do you kind of manage all that it is unmanageable <laughs> No, okay. Let's move on. No, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so let me go deeper there. I, I'll, but again, it is unmanageable. Uh, I don't, but I don't believe in this thing of work-life balance. I don't think that this is real, really real. I think that it can be real for some people. It, it's not real for me. I'm not balanced at all. Uh, I'm not mentally. I mentally, I hope that I'm, a, I'm. Half balanced, but life, uh, personal life, work life, I don't believe that there is a balance. I think that we are always imbalanced. We are trying to manage. What I think that you can do is try to manage. And the same way as I set aside time for my meetings, for my work commitments, in the same schedule, I have scheduled time for family as well. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that this is where I am, how things ended up for me. Do I regret anything that I may have done, may that have dedicated too much time to work? I have not, not yet. Maybe, maybe 10 years or maybe, you know, when I'm in my <laughs> dying beds, I'm going to say, I should have spent more time, but not right now, it's not the case. So, so let me just regain here uh, the the conversation. So let me let me go back to how you stay motivated. So I have to tell you, I have a big problem, which is, hey, look, a squirrel, a squirrel there. Oh, another squirrel here. So again, <laughs> I, I, my life is full of squirrels. Now, <laughs> now here's the thing: I separate them out into run-of-the-mill ones that they are there to pay the bills, and not that I don't love them, I like them but they are mostly there to pay the bills. And again, if I don't love them, I'm going to do something else. But I'll, I'll put that, I'll put in that category, my teaching, my teaching at the college, I love teaching, but again, it's also there to pay the bills. I have my own private 
business that, uh, and I'm not talking about bridge, I'm talking about something else that I have clients, that I have web development clients, support clients, that's another run of the mill that paid the bill, the bills. So those are what pay the bills right now. And then I have what, what I would classify as the forward thinking projects, the projects that or the project, because I don't, I'm not going to go plural on this one because I have one project at this point that is forward thinking. And it's what I want to be dedicating my life for the next 10, 15 years. So, so again, I'm always trying to accommodate those two, those two types of work, the paying the bills work and the motivation work, the, the, the work that's that makes me dream about things. And right now, the work, the work that makes me dream about things is what I have been doing with a new initiative that started back in November called Bridge. And we're going to go maybe in a little bit more details about that a little bit later. But to keep myself motivated, I'll tell you this. With Bridge in particular, it's really, really helping out to have a partner to have a business partner, not, not an employee, because I had employees before, I had contractors before. They don't motivate you. They are there to do what you ask them to do, to get their money and to do their work. They are not there to motivate you. Now, when you have a business partner that you can bounce ideas, that you can you can be there for each other. When you one is demotivated, the other one will, will motivate you, will, will say, hey, you should be looking for, let's look at the wins that we had so far. So that aspect of things, having a partner, which to be quite honest, is new for me. It's been helping me quite a lot to keep myself motivated, in check, you know, someone to call your BS, you know. And yeah, I think that's, I don't know if I went on overboard here, but that's my two cents for now. No, that that's a really good insight because I think Mike and I have also like we've already mentioned that, you know, Mike went more coding. I went a little bit more business as of late, but also there's like that balance, too, where I'm a very impulsive person and I can be very like, oh, my God, Mike, like uh, the the new something browser came out. We have to like make an app for it or something, just making something up like, oh, my God, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And then Mike will kind of ground me. But at the same time, you know, because I'm so impulsive sometimes, uh, I will like make Mike a little bit uh, more impulsive. So it like you kind of hit that middle ground and we'll push and pull on each other's things. So, for example, like uh, our Instagram for this has kind of died because we had some weird analytics and I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And I kind of just like checked out and just started posting stuff for the podcast. But then Mike was like, you know what? I'm going to hit Twitter up and we're going to do Twitter all the time. And I'm going to like try it and we're going to like I'm going to comment and post and do all the stuff that he does. And now him doing that has like motivated me. And I'm like, you know what? Like maybe we can revive this Instagram thing a bit. Like maybe I just sort of wrote it off in my impulsiveness. I just was like, you know what? That's it. And I just walked away. Maybe, maybe I need to, you know, do a little more. And so I have been doing a little more, a little more commenting, a little more of this. And even though, you know, it's kind of quote unquote simple to comment on things on Instagram, that same mentality uh, can be pulled into our projects as well. Like I've come to Mike and he knows with like a hundred projects that are just crazy, but they'll trigger hit like an idea from him or he'll come to me with an idea and I'll be, and we'll be hard on each other on ideas intentionally, but it's still that push and pull of the different mindsets of, you know, should we do this project? Yes or no. And then there's only, you know, I don't know, let's say 10 projects we've done for ourselves. Some of them public, some of them not that have actually come out. 
out of like a hundred probably that could have, and they most of them would have been a big waste of time. So you need that like partner or like we need that partner uh, dynamic where, you know, it's push and pull type of thing. Yeah, because things build on top of each other. As you were saying there, you mentioned one thing and then then uh, Mike mentioned something else and then you build on top of that. And then again, all of a sudden you have a snowball, uh, potentially, you know, a snowball effect there with an idea, with an initiative that if you were alone, just bouncing those things uh, alone in your heads, yeah, you can build something out of it. That's fine. I'm not saying that it's not possible, but putting two brains together, I think that's, it's one of the, those cases that one plus one is not just two, you know, it's way more than two, you know. That, that's, a, that's a very good point, too, in that it's like a, it, it, it's sort of like the, uh, I don't know, I think there's like a specific phrase for it, but it's that sort of um, sort of idea that you hear a lot from like business motivator guys that will say, say like, you know, surround yourself with the people that you want to be with. So if you want to be like around, I don't know, a bunch of crypto, like if you want to get into crypto, surround yourself with a bunch of friends that are all crypto guys, and then you will be motivated to do it. It's sort of the similar thing where, you know, Mike will, like I said, hit the hit that Twitter hard. So now that motivated me to do this or like Mike was writing a bunch of blog posts. So then that motivates me to do a bunch of blog posts and vice versa as well, because you don't want to be the one person that's like, oh, I didn't do anything this week. Right. So it's like it's almost like <laughs> like we motivate each other, even through stuff that you necessarily don't want to do. Or maybe you thought you were too busy to do stuff like that. So it kind of helps you weather those storms as well. Yeah, it's it's the positive peer pressure, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly like it's unspoken it. yeah <laughs> yeah i i also appreciate the candor of the work-life balance like sometimes it is impossible to balance it, it's true like it, it absolutely is and i think that's a reality that should be more vocal uh just just so people know that that is a possibility if they go down this path like you know like if you if you put too much on your plate which is m like something that we're all not trying to do but like it, it's very possible uh, it's going to affect your life, your regular life, not just your work. So it's one of those things you do have to act very actively try to balance. It's not something that's going to come pass passively. Like you're not just going to be able to put it under the rug and get through it yourself. You're going to have to like, if you want that work-life balance, you're going to have to really work on the work-life balance. And that might be like saying no to some opportunities that might be maybe putting money on, like leaving money on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it has real life consequences when you want to go down that path. But it is, again, it's something that like, you know, the flavor of the month or the Twitter sphere will will hardly ever talk about because you know it's not the sexy part of the industry. Yeah, and I would add to that that there are basically, I would say, I'm gonna generalize here, basically two types of people in the business, you know, and you you can, you can call it you know as as employees, as freelancers. One type of person is the person that has the work whatever work that might be it might be working for somebody else it might be having their own business they they have work as as a means to an end they have work just as i just want to work to make money to enable me to do something else that's okay that's okay there there are a lot of people like this i i have plenty of friends that they think like that. I'm not saying that this is wrong or right. I'm just saying that this is one category. And usually, I think that they usually have a very good work-life balance because they have work as a means to something else. However, 
However, when usually when you are operating your own business, uh, the work for good or for, for or for bad, the work becomes becomes also the end, becomes becomes also the you it, it's your purpose as well, you know. And it I, I see the work a lot like that. Work for me is not an enabler of something else. Work is my is be a big part of my fulfillment. Again, I'm not saying that you have to pick one, you have to one is wrong, one is right. I'm just saying that this is how I see this this whole thing. And I think that when you have the work as being a big part of who you are, uh again, that's that's usually when the life, you know, the, the personal life and the work life they clash a little bit there. And uh if you don't have uh someone that is on board with your passion for what you do, it becomes it becomes very, very challenging. That's a really good point as well, actually. And I think we mentioned that a little bit on uh, the podcast that we were on with you is like it's easy to get, you know, caught in something where you went into it just for money. And if you're fine with doing that, like some of your friends and stuff like that, then absolutely go ahead. But if you're a person that, you know, needs or wants that fulfillment from the job and you went into something just because it paid, you know, whatever it was that you were comfortable with per year and you get stuck there then it's sort of like it's just a slog every day you know get up do this get up do this you know <laughs> and it just it's not fun anymore and i don't want that i don't want that for me i don't wear i don't wish that on anyone out there when i see a friend of mine complain about his or her work and i said okay did you explore this option, that option? How about this? How about that? I, I keep trying to fix my <laughs> my my <laughs> friend's work, you know? I mean, sometimes sometimes they just need a little push, you know? Like, sometimes you'll just be like, hey, man, like, have you tried doing this thing? And sometimes it just works, right? It'll be like, hey, like, why don't you try this? You know, you're, you're skilled in this, and uh, there's, like, a sub path, you know, where you're, like, a welder or something, and then, like, you can do this other little, like, why don't you try a little bit of like metal art and then that just sets them on that path and then maybe they'll love it. You know, you never know because they didn't even think of it. Yeah, but you see, I used to do that more. I would say that about 10 years ago, uh, any friend of mine that would talk to me, my my subject was always the same. It was always business trying to bring them, as long as like I was one of those annoying network marketing person that uh, <laughs> keeps saying, hey, you should buy this. You should buy it. I was I was asking them to buy into this business life that I just got myself into and I was loving it. And, and uh, you know what? After a few years, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore because not because I give up, but because now I know better that you don't have to, to keep trying to convince people that your way is the right way because there is no right way. I mean, there's the right way for you, but it doesn't mean that it's the right way for everyone. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, with that, actually, we'll talk about uh, we also, we'll, we'll change gears a little bit, but still uh, kind of in the same vein. So different paths. I know I know that you're uh, an instructor at uh, at college, but you're also, uh, you know, online teaching online via Udemy. So, you know, what path would you recommend uh, to a complete code newbie, you know, traditional education, online courses or maybe just self-teaching through practice and and research you know, because some of these things, you know, some people will get really, 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 really anxious about being like, I don't really want to go to a college. There's too many people or whatever. But then other people are like, you have to get your college degree and then you can go, you know, expand your knowledge online. And some people are all online. They're like, 
I'm only doing online. That's it. For whatever reason, they're all in. So like, what do you think between those sort of three high level options? Okay. So great options there, great considerations there. The one thing that you cannot just compartmentalize and put this as this is a technical, this is a decision about technology. This is a decision that whether I'm going to learn technology in a boot camp, in college, online, self teaching. It's, I think it's a, a myopic vision there because it's not just about the technology. I'll, I'll go through some of my notes here that I, I joined together about this one. So let's think about first, let's see an option here boot camp. A boot camp, what can a boot camp give to someone? The way I see boot camps is that they are quick. You may have a few months to go through a boot camp. They are intense. They are very focused. They are a bit expensive, but but uh, they are quick. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna be flushed out with education quickly about the industry. You're gonna have you're gonna build connections as well because usually those those boot camps they also promote. You know, trying to find a job for you, trying to connect you with the industry. So one element of this decision is also about, can I find people to talk to? Can I find mentors? Can I, can I be guided within the industry? Because, again, it's not just a, a, a decision about how to learn the technicalities of language, of nodes, of Python, of whatever it is. It's not just about that. It's about getting connected with the industry as well. Because here's the thing, when I started to code, I didn't know what was a day like in a coder's life. I didn't know what they really do there. I mean, what is it that they really do? So so again, I'm gonna go through bootcamp. So bootcamp is an option. It's a quick one. It's gonna give you connections. It's gonna, it's gonna allow you someone to mentor you. One of the things that I, I find challenging with the self-taught is the, the potential lack of guidance because there is nobody there usually unless again you you go to youtube you 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 can take those mentors that you can see around there but i don't think that you you have the opportunity to talk to someone that has done that that you can say hey don't do this go that other route avoid this 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 pitfall here as as a as uh, the self-teaching, I think that there is this problem. Yeah, I think it's it's possible. I have interviewed plenty of people that went through the self-taught route and did very well, but I think that there are pitfalls there that only someone that has done that before, maybe another coder, maybe a professional that is in the industry, that can help you to guide you. If you go for a self-taught route, also try to see if you can find I'll call it mentor, but you can if you can find someone to talk to. And the way that you can find, go on LinkedIn. Find somebody else there that is doing what you want to do and try to, to talk to them. Try to just approach them, not in a, in a very obnoxious way. Just go, go there without being uh, a stalker. Uh, try to avoid the stalking, but... Try to see if you can connect with them and, and see if you can have a one-on-one, maybe for half an hour, maybe to pick their brain. Again, the self-taught, I think it's 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 possible, but I think it's full of challenges there because nobody is there to guide you. So again, self-taught, boot camp, then we have college. College is when you have the money for that and the time for that. I think it's I do I think it's important. I think it's gonna give you a, a better foundation. 
it's going to expose you to a lot, whether you're going to use all of that in your career, most likely not, but it's going to expose you to a lot of options. It's going to expose you to a lot of people. You're going to be able to create, to start to create a network there as well. And, and, and again, that's another route. You have really to look at what, what is available to you. Do you have the money to go to college? Do you have the time to go to college? Do you have the money to go to a boot camp? Boot camp, again, it's just a few months and you can be, uh, it's almost like you have a, a shock exposure to coding, you know, in a, in a very intense way. I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of boot camps. I'm a fan of boot camps because it's going to give you, it's going to give you that, that, uh, that uh, hydrant, you know, it's going to open the, the, the water there and you, you're going to drink from, from a fire hose, you know? That's that's uh, that's what I see. That's a good that's a good way to break it down, I think, because a lot of people will just think about the different options for what they offer. They won't think about, you know, you have to you have to dedicate time. You have to dedicate the money. And there's definitely been people when we were in college, um, we went Mike and I went to went to college for computer engineering technology, actually, and there was people there that would only show up for exams uh, and tests. And I didn't even know who they were because they just didn't have the time uh, and they would just not show up to the classes. They would just show up for the stuff that they, you know, had to be in the college for. And oftentimes those people really, really struggled, even though they, I mean, I would presume read the tech, read the textbook, read the, uh, the online stuff. If there was any for that particular course, you know, they went through the material, but the, the foundation just really, wasn't there. And um, if you're a person that, you know, is like that, maybe you would be, you clearly have the money. Maybe it'd be better to go to a boot camp. You know, obviously we didn't go for web development, but if we did, that type of person might benefit from, hey, I'll take a small hiatus from work and I'll just go uh, in for, you know, three months or whatever it is for the boot camp. And then I'm out because clearly that person is trying to just get like a more traditional education route, but just doesn't have the time. And, and then the self-teaching, you know, of course, can expand your skills and it, you know, it, it takes less time, but maybe you can or it takes less time per day, I suppose I should say. <laughs> but um, it's interesting to hear it broke down, like broken down like that, because people will fail to think, you know, I'm going to go to college for this. But then they realize, like, wait a second here, like I work a 40 hour you know, a week job, like what am I going to do? Because I have a house or something that I need to pay for. And they don't realize that. Yeah, it's great to go to college. It's great to go, you know, to any sort of thing to raise your skills, but you need to dedicate the time. It's not like you can just plug a chip into the back of your head and learn it. You know, you have to be there. And and at the end of the day, guys, it's not really about the about the diploma that you get at the end. Because let me tell you, that diploma it does mean much. It does not mean much. When you're trying to get your your foot in the door of the industry after college, again, what will really count, I'll tell you what will really count, is what you have learned that now you can't. You have to explain, you have to translate that to whoever you might be interviewed uh, by. But but again, the the title itself, yes, it's, it's good to have it there, but let me tell you, after the first job that you have in the industry, if you are pursuing the job, you know, the, the, the traditional nine to five job approach, after the first job, that, that degree will not count that much anymore. 
it will help you to get your uh, feet at the door. Uh, but after that, it's really about experience. It's really about what you know. People really want to know what do you know. Don't tell me that you went for through four years of, of college, of university. I want to see what you know. And again, you can stuff in a resume all a soup of letters that, uh, that you have seen from Java to C Sharp to Python to Node.js. I don't want to see that. I want to see what, from all of this, what do you really know? So, so that's what I'll add. And let me just add to the self-teaching. I think that self-teaching is very, it's very um, feasible and doable for someone that has a good base as well. Now, let's say I have a good base and I can jump to Python and I can learn Python and I can jump to machine learning and I can learn machine learning and I can jump to the next language and learn the next language because I have a good foundation. If the foundation is not there yet, I find challenging to go for the self-taught route. Again, can be done. I'm not saying it cannot be done, but I find it challenging. That's it. Yeah, honestly, like you, you essentially are preaching what we've been preaching on this podcast since the very beginning is to get that base. Because like we've said a million times, as soon as you have that base, as soon as you understand programming concepts, don't who cares about the language? Do you know what an if statement is, why it is, what, what it does? Do you know what the for loop is, why, what it is, why, why it like, do you understand the basic concepts of programming, even just in the air? Doesn't matter about the language. You can take that knowledge and apply it to literally any other language. And it's not that hard, honestly, when you understand the basics. And that's what I kind of always try to tell people is to like, yes, syntax is great. Yes, knowing it off the top, you know, back of your hand is awesome. But really what you should be focusing on is how does this program work? How do you write it? How do you structure it? That's important. And that's what you can really show in an interview. That's what really you can really show when you demonstrate code. And that's what's really hugely valuable to a company that is looking to hire someone um, because technology always changes. Like who knows 10 years down the line, is JavaScript really going to be that relevant? Maybe something else will come up. It's, it's never about the language. It's always about that base skill. And I think like everything that you said there, Addison is really, really important to, for people to understand is like, it's, it's never, it's never just like a one and done thing. Like you, you don't just take college and that's it. You have to really invest your time and effort and your networking skills and everything into it to get the most out of it. Like you're investing a bunch of time and money into it. Why would you just, you know, like Matt was saying, there was people that didn't come to classes and didn't network. You're, you're, you're taking like one of the most important parts out of college away and just kind of throwing your money at it. And that's it, which is ridiculous to me. Go to classes, network as much as you can, get as much knowledge as you can. Yeah, you're not going to use it all, but you know, you're going to use some of it. You're going to learn use the ability to learn things out of it. Like you're going to use a lot of the knowledge that you get out of it if you go to traditional route. If you don't go to the traditional route, know that you're going to have to put in all that other effort that I was talking about yourself. You're going to have to join Discord groups. You're going to have to join oh, um Slack groups. You're going to have to do the path that uh, Addison suggested. Go on LinkedIn, try to find mentors. That's going to be on you. Whereas college kind of makes it easier. Boot camps make it easier on you. And and I would just compliment and add to that that something like college and boot camps, the technology that you're going to be learning there, you can learn that technology anywhere, anywhere like where, like for free on YouTube, like for for 20 bucks 30 bucks on udemy now those elements there boot camp and and college 
what you really need to think about is to leverage that, as, as you guys mentioned, for your network, to build your network, to build connections with other people in your class, in your industry, in, the, in our industry, to hopefully uh, have instructors that can expose you to more than the content, you know? And, and that's the beauty of, of, of an organization, institution like college. Because again, college is not there to compete just on the technical things that they're going to teach you. It's not about that. It's really about how you can leverage that organization to amplify your potential reach in the industry, in the markets, via via speakers, via the, the instructors, because you have a lot of part-time instructors and a lot of part-time instructors, they're going to bring connections from within the industry. That's what people should be looking at. Now, at times, you know, you have some uh, very young audience going to college. Sometimes they, they just don't know those things. They are not, they are not tuned to those things. And yeah, it's just too bad that sometimes I don't think that college do a good job on highlighting what the college is there for, which is not about grades. It's not, it, yes, there is the component of, tech, of, uh, of the technical skills that you're going to acquire there, but it's the human, the human connection that you build there that is really the differentiating because otherwise there will be no point of having college at this point in time because knowledge is everywhere. And and that's a, and that really, really like to kind of further you, both your guys' points is that highlights something that happened with Mike and I, like, computer engineering technology like i can't i don't remember the last time we built a circuit and yet like the first two years we were building circuits learning electricity you know putting together components doing this and that and then it like the college itself switched gears uh, and a lot of it ended up being servers and this and that and you know what i like personally what i learned from that is like i learned a bunch of server stuff which i use in a co-op learned a bunch there but then i also i also like most recently like i said with this government project we were doing because I learned so much about managing servers, I managed a project and I leveraged those skills, but I never used those circuit, you know, managing skills. But yet, like, there was even there was a little bit of value in that. Technically, you know, we had to organize our components and keep things clean and this and that. So it even lends itself a little bit to that management. And we've we've been asked in the past for like, Hey, you know, uh, do you have, you know, somebody that can work in this field? Do you have somebody that work in this field? Do you know anyone that works here? And we've looked up old professors, there's their contacts or some people that we knew that got jobs in certain, certain industries. And there's your connection there. So even if you're not using something that was even big in college that you learned, it probably hinted at or assist you in the stuff that you do use and what you use will change. I didn't really use my management skills until last year where all I did was manage something. So, yep. Uh, let me ask you both a question and let's see if we're going to get a hit here. Let's see if it's in sync with me. Again, no, no wrong answers here. But what is one key aspect of college, your college time, university time that you really disliked? One aspect that we see a lot of students, including myself back then in my time, that we really disliked within college and university uh, work and time. What is that? What? Think about that for a second. <laughs> I know what I know what mine is. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna let Mike go first because yeah. I think it might be the same. Yeah, it might be the same. I would say exams. Exams. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Okay, great. So, so I, I was thinking towards that, but something a little bit more specific, which is group work. Group work. Actually, exam. You're right. You're right. I mean, definitely, it's 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 a must. It's I hate. We hate. That's fine. <laughs> now, I think that the next worst thing is group work. Do work in groups. Let me tell you this. Guess what? People be working in groups in teams out in the market. Now, I understand that when you are in college, sometimes you know people leverage others and someone will do the work and somebody else will not do much work. But hey, let me tell you this. In the industry, you're going to need to communicate. You're going to need to work with people that you don't like at times. Again, you're going to be practicing those skills in college as well. And usually, usually you're not going to be doing that if you are working on your own. Now, I'm not proposing that college is the end-all be-all. I'm just saying that those components of college, this, this, that they make the big difference of compared to doing a YouTube video training or doing a Udemy training, because those are the components that you're going to be leveraging in the future. How you communicate with that, with that um, colleague in your, in your class that could barely speak English. Yes, there's a lot of, of them out here. And guess what? There are a lot of them in the job market as well. So you're going to be facing the same complications, issues, problems when you go to the industry as well. And in the college space, you have a chance to practice that in a theoretically, let's put it this way, in a safer environment. You know, that, that in an environment that you can fail. I mean, I can, I can just speak for myself. I mean, I know that's not in general, but... I, I'm very flexible with grades. I don't believe in grades, to be quite honest. I follow grades because that's the institution that I'm in that they require. But I'm I'm not a believer of grades. But uh, but yeah, sometimes we have to adjust to, to accommodate, you know, what the industry is asking. Anyway, my point is this: college will bring in. I'm ex, I'm going to extend this to boot camps as well, just in a more condensed way. They bring things that you cannot find. Um, easily easily out there as you if you try to if you decide to go through this on your own you know so yeah yeah i mean that's a really good that's a really good breakdown um and i think this is like a really a really good conversation for anyone who's questioning and we have a question coming up about this actually but anyone who's questioning you know what what path to take and especially now, you know, the breakdown, the breakdown of college, because I think a lot of people will take that big book that you get, you know, here's all our programs for Mohawk College or whatever uh, for 2021 and, and whatever, Centennial College 2021. And then you read through it and you're just getting the bullet points. But like we're really breaking down, you know, this is this is what you actually get behind the scenes of these bullet points of like, hey, the computer engineering technology teaches you the circuits and this and that and this and that. It doesn't mention all these other little things. And I think that's this is a really important conversation for anyone that really specifically wants to wants to dedicate the time to traditional education, but really doesn't know what they're going to be getting. So I think this is really, cru really crucial in that way. Just ask yourselves the, the, the following question. When you look back at your college time, university time, the, the moments that, that you, I'd say, have them fresh in your memory, I doubt that those were the moments that you were learning something about coding or you're learning something about technology. And most likely, the, the moments are a moment that, that uh, you, you are interacting with, with someone that you're getting to know, you're interacting with, uh, with a particular instructor that his or her style was better suitable 
to your learning, um, you know, skills. So, so again, um, I'm I'm just a big proponent of 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 formal education, but I'm not saying that the other alternatives are are not feasible as well. I'm not saying that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that's really crucial too, because if somebody's listening to this and they just don't, and they're like, hey, you know, traditional education, even though we've went through it and they know they've listened and it's not for me, there's all there's online courses, there's the boot camps, there's your self-teaching. So there's options. Like we said before, there's a path for everyone and there's options out there for everyone. Of course. And again, I, I've, I've spoken with a lot of great developers that have not gone through tradi- traditional uh, education at all. They have gone through self-learning and they're fine, you know? Absolutely. Now, uh, you actually um, obviously went through different colleges and different things like this, and you have experience uh, with a with a variety of different coding languages as a result. Like you mentioned Python, uh, you're, you're self-taught in that way. Um, what's your favorite coding language out of all the stuff that you know? What's your favorite coding language in all, out of all the skills and all the rest of the stuff? Which one would you reach for given a project of your choice. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good angle to make, given your choice. So I have always been a Microsoft guy. I've always been a Microsoft fanboy. And I'll tell you this, since the beginning of my career, I sticked with Microsoft and I never had lack of opportunities, lack of work, lack of jobs, lack of interesting technology to work with. Uh, do I still hold the same, the same concepts? For the most part, I do. And I think that Microsoft is a whole different organization. If you look at the, in the past, since Satya Nadella, which is the, the current uh, CEO, mm-hmm. he, since he has taken over the, the organization, Again, Microsoft has changed quite a lot. So now Microsoft embraces open source and all that comes with that. You can run Node.js, Java, all kinds of technologies, all technologies you can run on Azure. Okay, so let me be a bit more specific here. So my language of choice, my technology of choice for a personal project or for a project that a client will give me the option, I like .NET. .NET Framework, .NET Core, and I like C Sharp. Those are my my go-to because I'm very familiar with those technologies. I can tell you this, if anyone out there uh, stick around with Microsoft, you will not be disappointed. You're going to have a solid career for a long time. Now, with that said, if you are starting your career today, currently, to be quite honest, why not pick the technologies that are that are dominating the industry in general. Why not? There's no good reason for that. I mean, if I'm starting today, I'm gonna I might as well just start with whatever is hardest right now. If I if I have the if I don't have the inclination yet or the bias yet for any one of any one particular technology, I'm gonna go for React, for Node.js, for MongoDB, for ExpressJS. I'm gonna go for the for for the for the maybe maybe Angular, I'll throw some Angular there. But again, let's stick with React there for now. So why not dedicate yourself to to what is hot right now? That's what I'd recommend. Now, do I love uh, React Node.js? I don't. I don't. I find it 
And again, people have different opinions about this, but I'm just giving mine. I find it messy. I find it very messy. Uh, when I see, when I compare that in contrast with what I find in a, in a platform like C-Sharp. Now, of course, you can even have C-Sharp in the back end. You can have React in the front end. That's fine. That's, that's, that's a good mix as well. But again, the <laughs> I'm still a bit uncomfortable with the, with the, I would say my perception with messiness when I look at Node.js, when I look at Angular or Vue.js or or React, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I cringe a little bit when I see that. But hey, you ask my opinion. That's my opinion here. Are starting today? Okay, great. Go for React. Go for Node.js. Do we have inclination into the Microsoft space? Give it a try on .NET, .NET Core, C Sharp. It's a good path as well. If you want to try to fall in love with coding, I would highly recommend that you try Python. Python, it, it gives me a different feeling of what it means to code. You know, it's, it's just different. I cannot describe it to you guys if you have not gone through some Python uh, coding before. I cannot describe that. You have to give it a try to see what I'm talking about. It's it's so powerful, so flexible. There are so much, so many libraries already built for that. Anyway, that's my that's my take here on your on your comments. That's that's super cool. Uh, I, I like that take and I like the .NET aspect of it and all that. One question that I have for you since you've come from .NET and went to something like React at some uh, recently, probably last few years. Um, have you tried something like TypeScript? Because that's a Microsoft-developed framework to build on top of JavaScript that gives it that kind of .NET flavor. I'm just curious. I have tried a little bit, but to be quite honest, and I'll be fair with TypeScript, I have not given the necessary time to look into that. Now, let me let me actually uh, add something to that. Guess who's the creator of TypeScript? Microsoft. Yeah, but but not only that. The create the actual creator, the guy is the same guy that created C sharp. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. Like which, that's... which again, if I walk a little bit further to the past, and I'm not, I'm gonna stop there in a second. The guy is the one that created something called Delphi in the in late nineties. Again, I'm a big fan of this guy. I keep trying to get him to the podcast. He never replied <laughs> to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Anderson something. Anyway. I did not give a, a fair chance yet for TypeScript. I did not. Okay. I'm really curious. If you ever do, I would love to hear your take on it. Because again, it's like, I haven't had that conversation yet with someone that is a huge C-sharp fan. I actually learned programming. I think that was my first programming language was C-sharp. Uh, so I understand like that concept, the, the concepts of C-sharp really well. I, I definitely like it better than Java. I'll tell you that right off the bat. Um, even though they have a lot of similarities, but, uh, I, I've just recently started to delve into TypeScript just a little bit and I'm seeing so many similarities <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this, this must've been written by the same guy. And lo and behold, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it's really cool that that concept, that, uh, that paradigm of programming is coming to JavaScript. And one of my, um, predictions for the future, and I don't know how long into the future this is going to be. I have a feeling that TypeScript is going to be built into JavaScript at some point where it'll be kind of like a, not a, a plugin, but part of the, you know, uh, ES 2025 uh, 20 or 2030 or something like that. Got it. I see. No, it, it, it makes sense. And again, I think that anyone that 
wants to get started with that with the JavaScript environments, if they if it can be a little bit more constrained in uh, better, I would say, how do you put it, Mike? It, 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 with TypeScript, what does it help you with? The structure, really, like the, the structure, structure and error checking, right? Like because right now with JavaScript, it, it you can write a bunch of stuff, and there's no compile checking. It doesn't check. There's no compiler. So when you run the code, you can write 15,000 functions. 90% of those functions can run just fine. And then one edge case, one of those functions will not run and break the entire site. And you won't know until someone does that edge case. Whereas with something like TypeScript or C Sharp, a lot of that can be alleviated with compiler checking. And that's what kind of TypeScript brings to JavaScript, as well as a lot of class definition stuff, a lot of reusability. Like you can, it's a lot easier to, you know, share, share your code base when a person knows exactly what kind of, uh, function like what what kind of variables they need to put in a function rather than just you know setting a let or a const they know that they need to put a int there or some sort of like you know a number there or a string there of a certain type and stuff like that so it just makes it a little bit easier to share code bases to work with large teams and that i think error checking is one of the biggest ones and to move from not using typescript to using typescript is that a big jump it is i'm not going to lie like it's it's not because it's a whole, it's a whole different paradigm. You know, you know, the paradigm is completely different from the traditional functional model in JavaScript to the, uh, I guess, the class-based or object-oriented model uh, in TypeScript. But it's not something that's super difficult. It's something that just requires some time, and it's one of those things where as soon as you get into like a, a deeper project and you do it a little bit, maybe even like a week or two of TypeScript it'll click in your head and you'll be like, why did I ever not use this? That's how I found it. I get it. I get it. Okay. So again, you give me enough ammunition there, <laughs> uh, Mike, to, to, for me to have a second look at TypeScript. No. Uh, well, on the non-technical side, I, I am also a Microsoft fan. It's a long, it's a long running joke among my friends that Microsoft just has my credit card and every single time that they offer something, <laughs> I just buy it. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in your camp, but I've never coded in any of those languages or used any of that. So, um, but I will blindly support that decision. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, so moving on actually to, to talk a little bit about, uh, your Udemy course. Um, so I noticed that your Udemy course or your latest one uh, is on machine learning, but not, not with a code approach. It's actually with a no code approach. Now, many developers I know try to shy away from no code. Um, you know, when do you recommend a no code approach versus a code only approach? Okay. So first of all, the course on Udemy, it's my first and the only one so far. So one of my goals of that course was to test the waters within Udemy, just to experiment. I know a lot of people from that, that uh, live off of doing Udemy courses, and I wanted to give it a try to just to go through the experience of creating a course for Udemy. Because I have to tell you, since 2010, and I'm talking about 11 years ago, I have been creating training content in a particular platform that I have been I have been working in a particular technology that I have been working a lot. So, but I've never put together a very in-depth course. Even in that platform that I was focusing before, creating I have created 
over 700 videos in the in the core in the course of uh, of 11 years of me being in this environment but again i never created a course that has a true beginning middle and end and i wanted to experiment with that to try that and that's what i did last year last year i was starting to get to know a little bit about machine learning i was going in to through the route of coding and and that's when python show up and that's when i started to get familiarized with python i said you know what i just had this idea why not try a simple easy to follow course and i got to know one of the tools from microsoft which is called ml studio and with ml studio you can use all the power of azure cloud and machine learning as well you can use but in a drag and drop environment in an environment that ah. you just drag some boxes here and there and here and there and then you do some settings and all of a sudden you have a machine learning model there that you can run your data through it and you can analyze and you can and and through that course i i went through four different exercises uh different levels there but the entire course is a two and a half hours and I didn't want to go through the coding part because the coding would, would right away require you to get to know something like Python or R, which is the other, the other very uh, machine learning driven language. And I said, I don't want people to have to learn Python before they can experiment with machine learning. I want to give some people, not necessarily developers only, but I want to give people a quick way for them to go deeper into machine learning to see how powerful it is but at the same time they don't have to learn a new language for that and that was my goal of that course and yeah it worked out quite well i mean uh, i have i think about just over a if i'm not mistaken that three thousand or four thousand students at this point so so a no-code approach or a low-code approach, to be quite honest, is not for every developer really to, to do that. In this case, if you just want to get to know enough about machine learning to get a taste of it, it's, a, it's good even for a developer because then you don't have to learn Python before you experiment with that. But again, it's just to give you enough of a taste of machine learning so that you can, hey, okay, so this looks interesting. Let me go one deeper, one one layer deeper. And then that's when you can eventually move on to, oh, let me learn Python now because now I have, I have some information about machine learning, not just by reading an article, but really by trying to work with data. There are, there is a, a, an interesting exercise there that you, you have, uh, you have to upload the, the passenger list of the Titanic. And the Titanic, the big ship that sunk. Yeah, I got it. So you, you load that data sets and you start to be able to predict based on a few attributes, whether this person could survive or not to the, to the sinking. You know? And again, it, it's, it's something that everyone, well, most likely everyone knows about the story and everyone can relate to that. And, and again, I, I, I try to, to just bring a, a quick angle there that's, could introduce ML machine learning to anyone, whether you are a coder or not a coder. That was my, my goal with that. 
And and I, I agree with that fully because I'm always a fan of reaching for the the tool that's right for the job. And even for our website, the HTML of Things website we're reaching for, we re- reached for Webflow because we were like, okay, if we write articles on web development and no code tools and this and that, the website needs to be just easy. Like I, you know, I don't I don't want to reinvent the wheel with a new blog thing. I don't want to get in depth and mess around with the hosting too much, like with WordPress. I just want to, I just want to write. I just want to be able to make everything myself, you know, all the UI, the user, the user interface stuff. And I just want to be able to to basically blog it out. And so that's, you know, we reach for a no code tool. And I think that this is a, a an exact example of something where someone just needs a little bit of machine learning or they have their own project and they are looking at maybe doing it, but they're not sure. Like you said, instead of learning all that Python, instead of learning all that, you can just literally come in and straight up just try it. You know, it's almost like a a demo, but you know, you can take it further. And if you decide that you're into it, I mean, you'll naturally want to learn the Python or R, I believe you said as well, or whatever it is that you need to do. If you like end up liking it, I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with trying it and going further. Yeah. And with the course, and again, I'm not here to promote the course by, by, by no means, but uh, with the course, you're going to have that taste from it because you're going to be you're going to be working with true data. You're going to be seeing things happening there, but you will not need to write one single line of code. You're just going to be doing, again, you, you guys must see it. It's very a very simple drag and drop interface that you just set some parameters and you make the, you ask the, the application to run. It takes a few minutes to run to give you results. You can even act uh, connect that to Microsoft Excel and have the data being populated into an Excel spreadsheet. So, so again, the, the idea was to do something very condensed, but could give a good feeling of what email feels like, you know, because to be quite honest, before that, and actually, when I put together the course, I only have learned email in the past six months. So again, I was very new and I could, I could really bring, I'd say, a fresh a, a fresh set of eyes into this because I just learned uh, the bloody thing, you know, ML in the last six months, you know. Yeah, that's, and and, and that's huge too, right? Because a lot of people will say like, how do you make, a, I've heard that this argument too, like how do you make a course when something, you know, just came out or this and that, but with no code, I mean, it still requires a learning curve. Like you said, it's six months, but it's not, you know, six years. And then you have to like do your, whatever it is, Python course or whatever. It's not that, it's like, you can get, up and running to the point where you could make your own course, or if if you weren't going the the make a course route, you were going to literally do something with it. You can just hit the ground running, and that's under a year. You know, that's very low spin up. And if that's what you need, that's that's the tool for the job. You need low spin up. You go for lo- for no code if it's available. And so that's that's really crucial. And actually, I'm super interested in this. Uh, I kind of want to start dabbling a little bit in Azure. Like I've uh, done a lot of like server administration in my time, uh, but normally it's not cloud, it's like on a company intranet, like on their network, uh, which is like large though. So I, I would be, this might be something I I, uh, I play with a little bit because I want to try Azure a bit. And so this will be something that uh, maybe another no-code tool that I'll cover as well. So, uh, I mean, thanks for the tip as well as the insight. So <laughs> pleasure, pleasure. And Azure is such an universe there. I mean, and again, you can, you can, you can, uh, you have an universe as well as uh, with AWS as well, with Google Clouds. Uh, but again, Azure is one more very, very comprehensive. You have all kinds of tools. If you come across someone that says that they know everything about Azure, 
you, you can point to a liar because nobody knows everything about Azure. Azure is so vast. It's, it, it's, it's uh, I mean, you can know certain I'll say, segments of Azure, but it is such a huge universe that uh, that no one single person will really know everything about, about that, that platform. Absolutely. That's kind of the nature of cloud, plat- uh, cloud computing is because they'll come yes. out with something new. All of a sudden it's like, hey, we got like, built-in matchmaking for like video games and stuff and it's like whoa what the heck like this is a whole new thing instead of somebody making their own and always something new right always something new always now we talked about obviously all the different educations your favorite coding language you know your uh you know udemy no code all the rest of it if someone right now you know listen to all this and they're still on that fence if they're like you know i'm not sure coding is right for me I don't want to spend money to go to school. I don't want to buy a course. What's the path that you that you would take? Do you say, you know, buy this textbook, which is probably going to be cheaper or, you know, maybe it isn't. But like, let's just say it's a cheaper textbook. Buy this textbook. Read this. Go to YouTube. Do this. Like, what's the path for that person that is just deciding whether coding is even right for them? Okay, so I'm going to assume certain things here. First, I'm going to assume that we are talking about most likely a young adult. It's not a, it's not a teenager nor a kid. So it's mm-hmm. a young adult. So assume that we have a young adult, maybe in, you know, beginning of, of uh, 20s, mid 20s. Uh, what I would recommend is, and I'm going to be prescriptive here. Usually I, I, sh- I shy away from being very prescriptive, but I'll be prescriptive here with the, with the chance of failing miserably, but let's give it a try. So as I mentioned before, I became a big fan of Python because I realized how easy it is to pick it up. And because of that, I really think that anyone that does not know any coding should and could start coding very quickly and get a taste of it with Python. Now, what, what would you do with Python? Well, I can recommend a book or two, I can recommend a Udemy course or two. I don't know on top of my head, but I can get their, their names and you can put in the show notes. So that could be one. Now, here's the thing. So within, I would say, I'll, I'll pretty much say that within a month, if you dedicate about an hour to a day going through this book or, to, or through this course, within a month, here, here's the, is the, I would say, the magic check that you should do to see if you are if you are built to work as a coder as a developer or not if within a month you are not in a position that you are missing dinner time that you are going overnight i mean not stay night up, up all night but it's 10 11 12 o'clock at night and you cannot just let it go you can't let it go because you need to sort out that bloody bug that is bugging you. And you cannot let it go. And, and you know, your partner, your mom, your dad, they're calling you to go and have some lunch and have some dinner. And you just say, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. But you never come. That's how you judge that you are built for this. Now, if you are not excited, if you are not pursuing some, oh, I need to stay one, just just more 30 minutes. Mom, I'm coming. 30 minutes, 30, 20 minutes, I'm coming. If you are not doing that, I don't know. I would rethink if this would be uh, a field for you. 
I would, I would rethink that. So a bit too prescriptive here, but this would be my, my path, you know? And I think that's a good, that's a good way to put it, right? You, you, you can't put it down. So clearly, you know, it's something that uh, grips you as the people would say, you know, like it's something that like kind of inspirational or, you know, job advisors in school have said to us, you know, find something that grips you that holds your attention. That's a common one. And that's exactly what that is, right? It's holding your attention. You know, you don't want to go to dinner. You don't want to go to bed. Uh, you know, it's holding your attention. And that, you know, that happens with people with their hobbies. It happens with people in their professional stuff. And so I think that's a really good description of that. And, you know, Python, and I've never used it myself, but I know I've like looked at it uh, years and years ago. And from the two or three YouTube videos that I watched, you know, it looked rather simple to pick up on. So that it's it, like, uh, I think that's good advice rather than just saying like, hey, just jump into web development, which is, you know, like we said, an, a lower hanging fruit earlier in the show. Um Python is something that, you know, is kind of more human readable, I would definitely say, and something that you don't have to go learn HTML, learn CSS, then also learn JS, you know, it's a bit much. And I think Python is just like a path that someone can take and be like, hey, you know, do I like this or not? And then they can go and do whatever the heck they want. Uh, absolutely. After that. That's true. That's true. And and I would, I'm going to add two more steps there that uh, the same person should also try to do. And we mentioned that briefly. Uh, at some point already in the conversation, but it is to find someone to talk about this. Someone that has done that, that has been there, that can tell you that you can bounce ideas. You can, you can, you can just ask. You know, am I going through the right path here? From your opinion, again, it's always someone's perspective. But see if you can find someone to bounce ideas from. It might be someone on LinkedIn. It might be someone in your extended network, within the family, within your, your friends, friends, you know, again, but talk to someone that is doing what you want to do as well. So they can give you a true picture of how does it feel like? How does it feel like to work in this industry? Again, it's it's a real perspective. And so that's the second one. See if you can find someone to talk about. You can even consider the personal, in, if you establish a long-term relationship with the person, maybe maybe become your mentor. And the third one is listen to podcasts like this one here, like HML, all the things. Because with this kind of, of podcast that you, you see people from the industry talking about the industry, talking about technical stuff, you're going to get the feeling of how it is to work within this industry. Again, in there are other podcasts that's that you can look into as well, but listen to people talking about the industry and see whether or not they are passionate about the industry, see how they got there, you know, and and again build on on, on your experience there. But those were my recommendations. Go for uh, uh an easy to to learn language like Python, go for uh find a, someone to talk about this and listen to other people's stories. I, I like this advice and also thank you for the shout out of the podcast. And uh, also you can listen to the solo code of podcast, which is Addison's podcast, uh, just to give you another example of one. Um, but the other, the, the other, re the real reason I like this advice where you kind of give yourself that month to figure out if you do have that craving to fix that bug or whatever is because the development industry is a little bit unique in a sense that it does require a lot of interest like it, it requires a, a some sort of passion it doesn't have to be like a burning crazy hot passion but it does require a passion because a lot of the stuff that you're going to run into require you to delve deeper and deeper and deeper it's not going to be like i don't want to 
simplify any industry, but it's not going to be like an in, like like an industry where you kind of uh, get a book on how everything's done and that's how you do it all the time. It's an ever evolving industry, and even if you have cer- a certain set of instructions, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to have to modify it some way, change it up some way, and try to try things yourself, find things yourself. It requires that crazy, a little bit of crazy passion to get into, and requires you to be really interested in finding solutions to problems. Really at the end of the day. And if you don't have that after a month, like if you're just doing your one hour a day and you don't feel like you want to even continue after that one hour every day, then that's a really good indication that this is probably not for you. Very true, very true. And, and you mentioned there, I think that you you quickly touch about problems and, and, and one skill that I think it's so important for coders to develop that over time i mean you don't you don't you don't come out of college knowing how to do that well but it's troubleshooting you know uh, it's such an important aspect of of a coder's life is to be is to be able to be willing to dive deep into okay you know what there's a problem here and i'm going to i'm going to fix this and i'm going to find strategies and ways to think about this problem and sometimes it might be going for a walk taking a break of everything and coming back, but developing troubleshooting skills, it's so much transferable to, to other things that you may, you may come to do in life, you know, of looking at something for, through different angles and, and coming up with, with solutions. Uh, uh, a coder's life is so much, so much so, I would say 80% of time, it is fixing problems. Some problems that you brought, some problems that some other people brought to the table, you know, but it's so much pervasive. And I try to instigate this troubleshooting skills that should be developed in coders. I try to instigate that quite a lot with my with my students as well. Anyway, just wanted to 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 give the side note here. And and with that, actually, you know, we you know that in in there you mentioned you know mentors as well, and that's something that you're doing on your uh, on one of your latest, if not your latest project, Bridge. Now that's Bridge with two R's for anyone that's googling this right now. Um, so you know, let let me know like what what is what is Bridge? I know it's about mentoring, but like what is Bridge? How did the idea come up? You know, what's uh, give me the rundown? What's what's going on with that? Matt, this was such a great segue. You know, I loved it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I've been working on those actually, so thank that, you. <laughs> that's also that's also okay. Okay, so I'm gonna just try to condense this um, as short as possible here. So, bridge. What is bridge? Back in October, October 2020, I I'm always trying to find ways to help my students more and more and more and more. Not only my current students, but my past students as well. So a few months ago, back in August, I put together a Facebook group for current students, ex-students. We mingled there. We have about 300 people right now on that group. And at some point in October, I said, you know what? I'm going to ask them, what is your biggest problem? And I asked them, what's your biggest problem? And, and two, two show up. The first one was getting a job. The second one was, what is the technology that I need to focus on? And when I saw getting a job, okay, getting a job, how can I help them to get a job? Because I cannot hire all of them. I cannot, I cannot introduce them to, I can introduce some of them to potential opportunities that I have connections in the industry, but it's, it's not just, it's just not enough. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I think that one of the main things that students lack 
when they leave college is that they don't have what? They don't have experience. They don't, they don't, they don't have the confidence to talk through an interview and be asked questions about projects that they barely worked on, that, uh, about technology that they saw in class, but they never had the real, I would say, the real hands-on experience to work through that technology. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to form one group of, of I'm not going to call them students because most of them, they were already graduated. So I'm going to, I'm going to form a, a group of people, six, seven people, that I'm going to help to build a project together, to pick an idea and let's build together. And when I send the call out for the community, a lot of people were interested. We end up forming two groups. Each one has a different project. We start this in November. They start, we start to have weekly meetings. They started to get results. And again, it was very informal. There was no intention to make this bigger than it was. It was supposed to be just two groups that I would help, and that's it. And the interest started to pick up more and more and more. I have someone help me out uh, back then. And we sat down back in January, January this year. And we said, you know what? Maybe we should formalize this a little bit better. And we should make this a little bit bigger. And then January, we formed another group. March, we formed another group. So we had four groups going on. And we said, you know what? Let's go official here. Let's make this uh, an official business where we help graduated students in the technology space, in computer science coders, coders develops programs, like I, I like to, to call them. Let's help them to find their place in the industry. And that's what Bridge has been doing. We work with our members via uh, a framework, but I'm gonna stop here and give you a chance to, to brief. So so yeah, so that's that's what Bridge is. We, we help uh, people to get their uh, foot in the door companies by working with their profiles by working with their with their confidence with their experience and yeah that's that's what we're doing well i love the i love the story too like the just the business story it's always that way right where you 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 come up with something and then you're like ah oh, this this will be nothing and then it's like oh i, I should actually make make this official because it's kind of something <laughs> so uh that's great too but no it's a it's a great noble cause you know th those two questions you know what technology do i go with how do i get a job type of thing those are those are always the big questions at a college and and my kind of follow up question for you with bridge is i know you're i know you guys are into mentoring and stuff but what would be your guys sort of unique flavor in comparison to say like a career center that's just trying to get you a job or like a recruitment center that will guide someone to a job? Like what's the uniqueness that Bridge brings to that sort of table? Got it. So there are some intersections there, but I'll tell you, we work within a framework that we call the three pillars. Everybody has a framework and we also have a framework. Okay. So, so we, we call it the three pillars. The first one, which we call the confidence pillar. Confidence, you cannot teach confidence to anyone. Confidence is built. And we build, we help our members to build confidence by building a project together with them. We we are the mentors are, you can call the mentors as the project managers of the projects. They have to be, they have to have knowledge uh, in the in the tech stack that they are working on, so they can guide the projects. So first pillar, we help them to build a real project. Now it's not an individual project; it's a group 
based project. We have a group of, of five to seven people. They work together as a team. They use GitHub. They use Jira. We use Slack to communicate. So we, we give them the flavor of a real industry project. Use not only the technology, but the tools around the project. We use Agile. We use Scrum. We meet every, every week. We go through what has been done, what's going to be done in the next sprint. So that's the that's one pillar, the, the, the confidence one that we work via a project. The second one, we have what we call the contents. And of course, the uh, three pillars, they should, they should match CCC, you know. So confidence is the first one, content is the second one. Contents is uh, what we work with them through their LinkedIn profile to set it up in a way that is, the best possible way, it's positioning the best possible way to attract people, to attract employers, to attract recruiters. So we work with their with their LinkedIn profile. We are also big, big, big proponents of blogging. Blogging as a way one to deeper your to deepen your knowledge in that technology. That's one. That's the intrinsic reason, and that should be enough. But the second one is that as you blog, you are starting to build what I would call your digital breadcrumb. When someone is assessing your resume, they're putting together a, a puzzle of who you are. And each little thing that you give to them, it's one more piece of that puzzle. And if you can give them a nice LinkedIn profile with a good portfolio, with a a, a, a few blogs, even if it's a few blogs, if it's, I don't know, two, three 10 blog posts that will help them to build the crystal clear, high definition puzzle of who you are as a professional. So that's the second one, the content one. And the last one is what we call the connections. The connections is what we do, not only within the group, connecting each other, building their network, but we also bring them to meetups, to events that, again, I, I'm connected to a bunch of events in, in the GTA uh, Canada, North America, we bring them to those events to network. And we also bring guest speakers from the local industry that can talk to them about their careers. We have a, a live session that we bring the members, we bring the guests, the guests introduce themselves, and they drill the guests with, with questions. We brought recruiters, we brought CTOs of companies. They, this particular CTO brought job opportunities to the group as well. People got hired because of that. So again, the three pillars is how we differentiate ourselves. I think we position ourselves to be different from what usually you can find out there, you know. Anyway, I'm not trying to sell, but I just sold you guys quite a lot here, though. Oh, no, like uh, to be to be totally honest, I mean, that's really like the one thing that really stood out to me uh, was actually I think it was the first pillar where, you know, you guys actually go in and do the ticketing software. So Jira and stuff like that and do the meetings. That's I think, honestly, like that's huge because, uh, you know, coming from an IT background, I was in IT for a while and then I went to system administration in the R&D department and basically you know, in IT, which is, you know, everywhere, you have to put in requests and do all the stuff with tickets and you're, you know, you have to wait. So it's like, hey, I want to upgrade this this piece of networking equipment. You have to wait. But then when I went to R&D, there was, you know, a rather large job that came down the pipe right away. And I was just sort of like, OK, like, where's my ticket? Like, what am I doing? And there's like that anxiety of 
you know, like, even though I have the skill to do the ticket in either case or do the job in this case, I don't know my surroundings enough. So having, you know, the background of, you know, like in in the industry, you're probably going to be using Jira in the industry. You're going to be doing these sprints and you're going to be doing these meetings and this and that. That's actually huge because I find that most of the anxiety of getting a new job actually comes from the first two weeks, say, where you're not really worried about your technical ability, although you probably are to an extent. But a lot of it, at least for me, always came from, I don't know how this team works. So I'm going to be showing up and be like, hey, man, like, where's the ticket for this? And like, they'll literally be like, what do you mean by a ticket? I'm like, oh, I'm just supposed to do this. And they're like, yeah, like, get on it. And it's just sort of like that anxiety of like, oh, okay, I guess that's how this team works. And you don't know the limitations. You don't know the logistics. And so like kind of throwing them in to a real project, but with real logistics around it, to me, really stood out. So that's really interesting. And I'll tell you this, just to finish my my two, my two cents about, about this topic, um, is differently from, from a college environment, that there is a grade attached to your group participation. In this case, there's no there are no grades. It's mm-hmm. really either it's intrinsic motivation that you have to get that done because you want the experience or you don't do it. But but again, there, there are no grades. There is no carrot, carrot at the end of a, of a stick that is pushing you forward here. It has to be an intrinsic motivation for you to just get better and get to know those process, get to know those tools. There is no, no grades to incentivize you here, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good step towards getting like getting assimilated into a job i think anything that can bridge your way between school and work is something that's a huge value to the community especially a community that we have right now uh the developers are just kind of starting out and stuff like that like it's always that anxiety of like how do i land my first client i think this is something or how do i land my first job whatever whatever i think a program like this like bridge is kind of an unanswer, maybe not the answer to all the problems, but is absolutely unanswered that you could try, right? It's something that you need to you need to put yourself out there. And one of the opportunities is a mentorship program like this, where they kind of give you the whole shebang of a project and possible connections and a team that you have to work with and, uh, comp- you know, compromise with and learn with and stuff like that and bring each other up. Um, I'm curious, just one last question on Bridge. How how has it been? Like you've done it a few times. How have the teams been? Has it been like an equal, you know, an equal amount of work for each person? Has have they learned from each other? Has there been like struggles inside of teams? Like is it is it real life or is it you know kind of like a fantasy? No. Okay. So great question. So let me start there with the with the equal distribution. So first of all, is that there's no equal distribution, and I'll tell you why. Because in those teams, you have you have people with all different kinds of situations, of life situations. Sometimes you have people that can afford to be just looking for a job and waiting for a potential job. So they have more time available. Sometimes you have someone that is working in a full-time job that is not related to to, uh, to technology, to IT, to coding, but they still need to, to survive, need to make money. So we cannot demand the same the same amount of effort from each participant because they just don't have the same 
the same life circumstances. So we are not there to say, hey, you cannot be here because you only have one hour day available. Oh, but you can because you have six hours available. We, we're not there to do that because we are there to be enablers, not to disable them again. They are already disabled because they don't have their dream job. It's not coming true. They are all frustrated. They are all in panic in a way because it might have been six months that they, they have finished school. They, are, they start to get further and further away from, from that technology that they were hot at school. And so again, we are there to enable them. So I used to say that we have, uh, we have space for every pace. If you are slower there, if you have less time, that's fine. You're just going to be assigned the amount of, of work that you can handle. And you are the one that's going to pick the, the amount of work. Again, we cannot operate 100% as, it would, as we would operate in a, in a company. Because in a company, you are there for a bloody eight hours a day. And no matter what, you are there for eight hours. So you have the time. There, in our groups, it's not always the case. So we have different, as again, different people who have different pace, who have different workloads. And everything is decided and discussed amongst the team during our weekly meetings. So again, if you have more time, bring it more, take it more. There's no, there's no such a thing as what usually we see in, in, in college, which is, oh, I'm, I'm working more than so-and-so. That's fine. That's great for you. You are learning more. You, if, if you are working more, you are learning more. I mean, it's up to them to decide how much work they're going to take on. So that's one aspect. And in terms of the reactions and what, what has been uh, working on, I'll tell you this. It, it's... it's <laughs> And again, it's going to sound like I'm trying to sell this thing here and, and blah, 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 and just trying to BS you guys. But let me tell you, if you go to the site, there are two video testimonies from two members that have been hired. That is a truly reflect of what the program means to them. It's a true reflect. It's not me talking to them. It's not me telling them what to say. Those were real life testimonies of people that got hired. Again, nothing better than that. Now, does it work for everybody? Not really. Some people, they'll say, hey, you know what? I don't have the money anymore to put towards that. That's fine. Or I, uh, someone even said, no, you know what? I decided to take another, another route here in my career. That's fine as well. But, but again, as long as we are helping some people there and they are, again, they are getting things done. They're they are accomplishing things. Some people a little bit faster than other people, but it's, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the reaction, let me tell you, it's, it's been, it's been incredible. And, and again, I cannot be happier. I'm happy for them. I mean, forget about building a business about uh, on this. It was never really the intention. It's, it is now, but it was never the intention. So again, I was there doing this for, for them to, to, have, to find a place in, in the industry, you know, and uh, it's so good to see, to see the benefits of, of, of something like this that you, that you do out of passion and it truly impacts people. You know, it's, I mean, you cannot have, I mean, that's why I'm crazy about work. I'm crazy about teaching. I'm crazy about, about helping people because I like this reinforcement of, man, you helped me so much. Isn't, isn't there anything better in life than being there to help people? 
We are here to, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, kumbaya a little bit here. You know, we are here to connect with people. We are, what's the point of, of having a career, having a, a business life if, if you don't connect with people? So I love to connect with people. I love to help people. And again, I'm realizing this more and more with what we're doing at Bridge. You know? Anyway, here, done. I mean, that was, that's a great, that's a great breakdown. I mean, honestly, it does sound like a great service. And I know, I know you keep saying that it just sounds like an ad, but I mean, there is literally a a bridge missing, you know, between the real world and the college world, which we've said several times, and you get, get different things out of college than you would, that you expect and you don't use everything, but like, you know, you do need to transition to get a job. And it sounds like bridge is the, the place to do that. And so it's a, you know, a noble cause. It's a good cause. And, uh, you know, I'm glad it's working out. And I hope that someone here uh, that's listening to this right now uh, would, uh, you know, benefit from that. Maybe try it out if they need it, if they're looking for a job. And hopefully it helps them out. Yeah, I think it's an option. I, I, as, as we mentioned, it's not the only option out there. Of course, it's not. But it is an option. And, and we see people trying to go, uh, you know, after college to boot camps or try different things. And again, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But we really, I mean, even we we think that the project is a big thing with the with bridge, but really it is a big component. I I, I cannot deny that. But the community aspect of, of what we built there, the support group that you have to move forward together with people that are marching together in the same direction that you are. I mean, it's it's uh, it's super important as well. And people only realize that once they are into the the program, they see the, the value of that. Anyway, absolutely. And uh, you know, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for coming on uh, on the show with all your experience, your insight, uh, with uh, talking about Bridge and Unimi and uh, everything else from traditional education through favorite coding languages. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and you know, I'd like to invite you at this point to take the floor. I know you have a, a, a few links here that you'd like to share that I have, but if you'd like to take the floor to mention these again, or if you have anything that you want to shout out right now, please take the floor, uh, take it away. I'll just say that, uh, you're more than welcome to reach out right now. We have bridge double R dot IO, but we also have bridge.com just recently purchased. So it's going to be changing in a, in a few days. And again, follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always very active on LinkedIn. The links will be, I'm sure that we'll be posting the show notes here of HML, all the things. I'm always running every, the beginning of every month, we run a webinar that we go through the three pillars very slowly. And, and I teach what we're doing inside of Bridge so that you can do by yourself without even, even join us. So you can just go to our homepage, contact us, there, there's a form, and then again, you're gonna be put, uh, you're gonna be sending an invitation beginning of the month to a webinar. Again, you're gonna, whatever you're gonna learn this webinar, you're gonna be able to apply to your career, whether you join us or not. That's a secondary uh, possibility. You're gonna learn from this webinar is how to help to set your career in the right track in this coding space, in the technology space, programming, coding development however you want to call it so i would leave this uh for you guys thanks awesome yes and absolutely all those links will be in our show notes absolutely so you don't have to the listener out there does not have to remember them (laughs) you can just click on them they'll be easy to get to uh absolutely and uh thanks again for coming on the show Perfect. And let me just thank you both, Matt and Mike. Thanks so much for having been in the podcast, The Solo Coder. It was a pleasure to have you both there. A lot of people 
uh, got back to me with a lot of positive feedback. I really appreciate you taking the time to get to know a little bit about me and, uh, and what I've been doing. Again, thank you for having me. Thanks. Absolutely. Harrison. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that call as much as we did. Tons of great insight in there. I know that Mike and I have discussed, complained, whatever about traditional education, but Addison kind of has that great mix of, you know, traditional education from the from the professor slash the teacher's perspective. But he also has the perspective of sort of the influencer with his podcast. But he also has the whole online thing with Udemy and, you know, the the list just keeps going on. So tons of great insight in there. Tons of great clips that I think I'm going to take as well. Lots of great insight, lots of great perspectives and tons of great resources. Like again, all those resources that he just said will be in our show notes. Tons of great links in there. Go check them out for Bridge, Solo Coder, all the rest of it. But now it is time for the weekly growth goal. So Mike, what... What's your what's what's going on over there with your weekly growth goal? You uh, you done it? You didn't do it? What are you doing? What's going on? Uh, honestly, I can't remember what my weekly growth goal was last week because we had so many episodes. But I think I did do it. I'm gonna say, oh, it, it was exercising. It was exercising every day. I exercised every day. I think uh, you know either going for walks or actually doing like yoga and and lifting weights. Uh, it's a little bit difficult right now because our gyms are closed, so it wasn't as motivating as I'd wanted it to be. But I believe they are going to be starting to open sometime soon. So I'm excited for that to kind of extend my um, ways that I can exercise. I'm a, I'm a big fan of going to like someplace else other than your house to do it because your house like it's I can't I can't force myself to do it here as well as I could in a gym. So that's what that my new weekly growth goal is to write every day. So I've already had this one. I think Matt had this one recently as well. Uh, I think. It just teaches me to be a better writer. I'm doing a lot of Twitter interaction right now. So that's like tiny tidbits of writing, which is actually pretty cool because it's teaching me how to write concisely, get my points across really quickly, which I think is a good skill to have. And I want to take that skill and write, finish my blog post, write more stuff, get some more content out for the website that's coming up real soon and stuff like that. Well, actually, funny enough, I my weekly growth goal this week was writing. wasn't writing every day. It was writing three things. Uh, I kind of completed it. I completed two things. I completed one thing that, uh, like I said, this is for practice. So I completed one thing that isn't going to be published. It's all kind of tore up. I like changed it and rewrote parts, and there's like duplicate paragraphs and stuff. But that was my first sort of uh, thing to like kind of get back into the groove. So obviously, it was a big mess. Second one is actually on the site. It's still a draft right now because the site's coming out soon. The it's actually on there. It's been edited. It's been looked over a couple of times and stuff like that. So th that's actually something that I completed. Uh, I did not sadly get a third one uh, done. I just didn't have the time. Uh, lots of stuff going on this week, as Mike said. So we usually this podcast has a uh, a week. We, we like recently just started changing over so that we had a week lead time. Now we I think are at two weeks just because so many uh, great guests have actually been on the show, which uh, and I won't spoil who they are until the stuff comes out, but including Addison and other people, uh, lots of great guests and lots of great recordings. So there's just been a lot, a lot of recording stuff, but that's all great news for Hat. Growth is always good and uh, tons of great insight from our guests. My new weekly growth goal is actually going to be something that Mike and I discussed earlier. So um. One of the things that we've constantly said is like, you know, I need to do a project. I need to do a project. And I've been doing a lot of projects, you know, throughout my job here. Uh, 
obviously editing the podcast, doing stuff like that, but also just doing a lot of client work because those are projects in and of their own right. But a lot of them are not all of them, but a lot of them are just sort of, you know, standard run of the mill. Oh, you need to do a little bit of maintenance here and you need to do a little of this here and you need a little, do a little of that here. And so there's a lot of stuff that is just sort of like random, uh, random tasks that like I can just sort of do and they're not like pushing the bar or anything like that. So usually, as I, as I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I have this idea uh, for a, a browser game. Now, it's not going to be like a, a flash game or anything to that extent. It's more or less like a management game to try to get my coding skills just kind of brushed up on. And I think there's going to be a lot of great content that comes from that. So Mike suggested, actually, that I get into Svelte as a result of that. Never used Svelte. I've never really used any uh, framework other than Vue, which Mike just told me what to set up. And then I just like helped him make the UI. Uh, for a project, which might have been like the dem- the demo of the of the hat site a couple years ago. So I'm going to try and get into Svelte. Now, I am, like I said, a total newbie. So like I'm not going to set a specific goal for Svelte because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what direction to go. I'm not going to say like, I'm going to get this game running because like I don't even maybe I won't even be able to get it it running. But uh, we'll see. So I'm going to I'm going to mess around with it. Uh, I do have like a fair bit of work stuff on my plate as well. Uh, but well, uh, I'm just going to try to do something with it, set it up. Well, I'm going to definitely watch a couple of videos. I think Mike sent me one and stuff like that. So I'm going to start the introduction just to see. It's just something that has always been like on the, uh, I guess, on the back burner, but always like waiting to come to the forefront. So I'm just going to try it just to sort of like, br- again, brush up on my skills and try a framework for once. So we're going to we're going to see what happens with that. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to this one. I'm going to message you tomorrow i'm going to message you the day after to see if you've done anything on it and like you said like i don't think you have any sort of goals in mind but i'm at least an hour over the next couple days i think you can do and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to kind of push you to that hour uh an hour like between when and when over the next couple days like one hour okay okay that's fine yeah i thought you meant like an hour a day here i was gonna say good lord we got i got like enough audio files now to like sink a ship and i'm trying to (laughs) and i have some work stuff that's been pushed back and it's just been all just a disaster so okay yeah uh yeah i'll i'll i mean there's a 30 minute video you sent so that'll be my that'll be 30 minutes and then i'm gonna try to mess around with it i'm even gonna just try to put it on my laptop so that i don't have the excuse of being like ah you know it's not it's not my desktop computer it's not like i can bring this thing with me so like we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens but um, yeah, it's all kind of abstract right now, but get into Svelte is my new weekly growth goal, and hopefully that also complements the content on the website. Um, but that concludes this episode. Great interview, great links and resources. I was going to try to do like a Papa John's thing, like great this, great that, <laughs> Papa John's, but um, it didn't kind of work out. So unless you have anything else to add to this uh, failed pizza pie here, Mike, I'm going to run the old conclusion. Runner up. Alrighty, well, remember we're on that Patreon. If you want to support the show, that's patreon.com slash HTML things. Check out the tiers, give that a go. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript, Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on localpathcomputing.com, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Chris from Self Made Web Designer on selfmadewebdesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, DL Ford from dl4.io, Bib Hashdash from Nine Block Media on nineblockmedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, and Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MC Web Studio. 
feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will shine. Will, will shine? Well, they're going to like shine our shoes. Like, what's going on here? We'll sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All the Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.